Welcome to the first episode of Origins Unknown Podcast. My name is Chris Holt. And I'm Claire Huntington. And together, Chris and I are so excited to bring you this passion project. As adult adoptees with very different origin stories, we want to share the good, the bad, and ugly sides of adoption. In addition to sharing our personal origin search stories, Chris and I will also be sharing your stories because we believe that every adoption or biological family search is amazing and important. We will also be interviewing professionals and providing resources that we feel are important to the adoption community, from searchers to mental health professionals, even down to unconventional resources, such as, believe it or not, psychics. For this first episode, however, we decided to ask each other icebreaker questions in an attempt to get to know each other's stories and share them with you. So we are so excited to share this first episode with you, our adoption community. Please join us on this wonderful journey together. Enjoy! Yay! This is it! Origins Unknown Podcast. This is our first episode. I am Chris Holt. I'm Claire Hutchington. And we are going to be talking about adoption. So we figured we'd kind of kick off this first episode to kind of talk about our backgrounds a little, but not going in too much depth because there's different topics we can kind of totally. segment into different episodes. So Claire and I are going to read, uh, take turns reading each other questions and we'll both answer them. So you can kind of get to know us a little more, get a little information about our backstories with being adoptees. And uh, we'll take it from there. This is also going to serve as a great barometer or starting point um, where we don't know our origins or items that we may be lacking. It'll be a great thing to look back on in the future when we start discovering our origins yep. and a great way to compare our stories and the various differences. Absolutely. And I think one of the big uh, reasons we wanted to start this was because we want to kind of create and develop a community that other adoptees can uh, gravitate towards and use to help them either heal or manage any situations they're going through. Because I think it's a common feeling amongst adoptees of, you know, this feeling of isolation or, or I, no one can understand what, you know, I come from or my situation or circumstance. So we want to really create a community that we can all heal together, kind of maybe talk about things that are, you know, traumatic to us because there are, there is lots of trauma for adoptees and we don't want to, uh, not cover those things because we want to cover everything around adoption, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, some of this stuff might get real and, but we also want to show, you know, the happy sides of adoption and stuff like that. So completely, we want to show every aspect of it. And I, can't tell you how many people that I've come into contact with since doing this podcast that I've spoken to every day, people I thought that I've known for years and they have an adoption or an unknown origin story. It's been such a great experience for me to realize just how many people adoption has touched. Yeah. And, every life. And that's another thing uh, to t- touch on that is this idea that I think, especially in this country, you know, everyone's just so divided. So I'd like to try to find a topic that we can all talk about that we all connect on and it really doesn't matter about anything else because I think that adoption supersedes all those things and it's very deep seated and kind of is intertwined into the fabric of who we are, um, you know, and along with, you know, knowing other people that are adopted or siblings or relatives or whatnot, I think that adoption touches everyone. So we felt like the topic is broad, um, complex 
and it'll give us a lot to chat about. So totally. So with that, would you like to start first or sure. do you want me to start yeah, first? Yeah, I can start with the first question. Uh, okay. Where, I guess I should phrase that. Where were you born? Yeah. Where were you born, hospital and city? So this is, I, I'm not 100% sure. After talking with my mom, apparently I was born in Regina. I thought I was from Prince Albert, but I'm not 100%. Being from a smaller area in Saskatchewan, all these smaller towns, you would go to Regina to have a baby back in the day. So I think Regina, probably one of the old hospitals, but I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I, from my records, uh, I'm an identical triplet. So my brothers and I, based on our records, we were born in Seoul, Korea. That's all we know. No hospital? Don't know anything about the hospital or anything like that. Yeah. What time were you born? No idea. No idea either. And this is a very interesting topic. There's a lot of things that adoptees are excluded from without realizing. One of those things is birth charts. I get asked all the time what my astrological birth chart is. And for this requirement, you need to know where you were born and what time. And I have no idea. So that was one of those things that you wouldn't realize that you'd be excluded from. One of those reminders, yeah. one of those reminders, it's almost like a splash of cold water. You're not thinking about being adopted and then something happens and you're like, oh, I don't know that. And then you have to have the awkward conversation of why. Yeah. I think I've, I recall, you know, childhood friends talking about, I was born at 3.13 AM and I always thought, how do you know that? I mean, that's kind of cool. I, I have no idea what time I was born. I so. know. I, that's one thing I really want to know. And I'm going to be so bougie when I find out. <laughs> Like, I celebrate that time. I really hope it's like two in the morning so I can call everyone and wake them up. Be like, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, let's see. Did your birth mother see or hold you? I don't know. That, no idea. Yep. I, I have don't a, know a, how you would know that. Well, if you were placed later. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I have a, I just get the sense. I have no way of knowing this, but I feel like I might have been known for a bit okay i don't know like no by no i mean i think i might have been with her for a bit well i did a again this is kind of going off on tangent but when i did a birth parent search i started it six years ago i did find out that again this is going off on tangent but um our birth parents were married so i'm i'm assuming they held us until they gave us up so i'm not i mean that's just an assumption. So one person had to hold two of you. Yeah. That's just a numbers thing. <laughs> it's just too many babies. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> I only have so many arms. <laughs> um ooh, this is a an intense one. So are you ready? I'm ready. If you as an adoptee had to reduce the feeling you have when you think about adoption to one word, what word would you use? And again, this is just me personally. The only word I can think of is blessing. Yeah. What about you? Hmm. That's a good one. I shouldn't have let you go first on that one. <laughs> grateful, I would say. Hugely grateful. And the opportunities I was afforded, especially with having some of my difficulties and challenges, I would not have been able to be the person I am now. I don't think if I hadn't had the exact parents I did. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that boils down to also like the idea of timing and, you know, all sorts of random things that cause people to make decisions. And I accidentally put a duplicate in here. <clears throat> so go to this one. Okay. What percentage of people do you feel completely comfortable with talking to you about your adoption? 100%. I am open about it. I don't care who asks about it. I'm an open book when it comes to that. So, But that's where our personalities differ. You're, yeah. you're great with confrontation. For me. I love confrontation. Oh, gosh. Oh, I thrive off of it. I know. That's, but. I, <laughs> <laughs> I always think like, I just want to confront that. I want to say what I want to say. Like, yeah. My problem is that when it comes to adoption, as soon as you start telling your story, I find people don't listen. They talk. So you, they, especially people, I'm, I'm fine with fellow adoptees, fellow adoptees. I'm hundred percent comfortable, I should say. Okay. However, people who are from the outside looking in and, and they'll ask me like, do you want to find your family? First of all, trigger word, real, mm -hmm. real family trigger. I know people don't mean to, but then I find I often have people talk over me and I get the sense of you should feel grateful. How dare you wonder? And they start telling me how I should feel or telling me horror stories. And these are people that are not adopted? Non-adoptees. All the time. I've never had anyone say to me, you should be grateful. Never heard that. That's I, I don't get that from my parents. I get I get it in a really wonderful way of that they were, they're just as grateful for me. So I've never gotten mm -hmm. that pressure or in a negative life that or like that you should feel grateful. But I get that. I get really negative feedback of people you should be grateful how dare you mm. like how dare you do that to your parents or how dare you care or that's, it's that's odd and i wonder if it's also a gender thing too yeah and then i was also going to say because you know claire's from canada i live in the u.s so i think that there are cultural things that might be slightly different too but i don't i don't i'm not sure well it's like when i said i was late at the airport because i got canadian trapped yeah, I was so confused with what you meant by that because all I can think of, I sort of associated parent trap with that, and I'm like, parent trap, Canadian trap, like how do what? I got then, stuck holding a door open. Oh yeah, that's right. You were like, I don't want to pass people on escalators. Or you said, why don't people walk down escalators? And or I walk said, up escalators, walk and so up. I didn't want to pass people. Yeah, I and said I didn't, because Americans are lazy, but but like so it was really fun. I was like, I got Canadian trapped, <laughs> which to me is like, yeah. So wait, I think it's mine. Yeah. Is being, oh, this is your question. This is really good. Is being adopted something you think about on a daily basis? Nope. Um, yeah, I don't, it's not something that's on the forefront of my mind. I, I think it's just something that I know, obviously, but I don't overanalyze it. I don't think about it. I don't view myself as adopted. And I think that that's just a testament to my parents. But yeah, I was just jokingly telling Claire that, um, I forget that I'm Korean because again, my parents are white until someone's racist to me. And then I have to look at my skin. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. You know? So for me, it's, um, no, it's not something I ever really think about until someone asks me about it. That's about it. Yeah. I would say no, though. I, I can't speak to, we've been afforded some really great opportunities in having people send us their stories and messages that I was brought back. We have someone who's a 15 year old girl mm -hmm. and going through, going through it and being 50, I don't, you weren't a 15 year old girl, nope. but I was a 15 year old girl. And boy, that is <laughs> that I, you couldn't pay me to go back to that. Like, but I remember in that time and I, 
I didn't think that I ever had a stage about thinking about being adopted a lot, but not until I talked to my grandmother and she informed me that I used to kind of have questions and whatnot. So I, I find that during a lot of periods of self-identity and not knowing things and, and it's like I said, I'll go years without thinking about it mm-hmm. and then something will happen, some yeah. sort of barrier. And it's like cold water being splashed on me. Yeah. Right. And so, but being in the time where you don't know you're, where you're having identity crises mm-hmm. anyway, those were the moments. But then again, that could be because I didn't have any biological siblings. Yeah. And that, I think my brothers, you know, pose a, um, as a crutch, you know, for, not wondering as much. Um, you came with a wolf but, pack. Yeah. But I, I think also there are a lot of things in my personal life with my birth parents search that I found that maybe I've repressed uh, or compartmentalized in a way that I can't really consciously access it until something is brought to my attention that makes me think about something. So, yeah, I, I mean, the more I started digging, the more I started experiencing emotions about it. That's, so. that's a really amazing thing because in doing research for this, how many times have there been where I've messaged you and just been shocked and like not thought of stuff? I feel mm-hmm. like you, when you go digging and you think the more you think about it, the more it's ever present in your life. Yep. It's, I feel like adoptees as a large part, part of being successful as an adoptee is being able to compartmentalize and lock it up and not let it govern yourself. Mm-hmm. Again, you guys, I will state that neither one of us are licensed psychologists or therapists. No. So so a lot of that, what we're saying- Although we've been through a lot of therapy individually. Yes, so, we've been afforded the luxury. Yeah. But I will say, so we, a lot of the things that we, and we'll have to add disclaimers and whatnot, but a lot of the things we're learning along with you. So this is something great about this podcast is that we have no idea- yeah, and we're we're really encouraging people to reach out, which we've already had a very overwhelming response from yes. just strangers. And part of this is obviously talking about us, but mainly I think it's more about opening dialogue mm-hmm. with other people. So we want to interview people. We want to talk about just situations that you could never even fathom, but they exist. So, but part of this is to try to make this interactive um, because we do want to discuss things that all of you are thinking about or you know, mm-hmm. things that are bothering you about it, you know, about your situation. You know, we want to yeah. bring light to that. So, and also too, this is our community podcast. This mm-hmm. is our, you know, just because if your situation is different than ours, that doesn't mean we don't want to investigate it and come through to you. Absolutely. We also talked about having an episode that as an adoptee, if you start dating somebody, you can just direct them to that episode. So you don't have to answer all the things of like, oh, you can't say that. Yep. Or because there are, the more you research some stuff, there are common links between yeah. most adoptees in terms of just behavioral things. Yes. Um, that sometimes you might think, why am I like this? And then you meet another adoptee and you, you have talk. this aha moment and you think, holy smokes, I see this person, this person sees me, you know? And I think that that's one thing that adoptees want to feel. So we have had some really weird instances where... <laughs> We don't talk for days. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might be a common thing for adoptees, that independence a yeah. little bit. Like, yeah. Not for all of us, but for the type, we'll probably determine we're the same type of adoptee. But yeah. we'll go days without talking. And then I'll pick up my phone to text you. Oh, that's happened. A few times, times. And then he'll text me at the exact same moment. Like yeah. we'll send a message and it'll be. Whoop. It's like ding, ding. Yep. That's super creepy. 
Um, but all right. Um, my turn. If you as an adoptee could receive a gift from a magic genie, what would you ask for? That's a good question. I know exactly what I'm going to say. Why don't you go first then? A photo of my biological parents. Because I don't have that. Oh, ours is totally different. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> I want to be, I would love to like have be blood related or physically related to my, see my parents. See, that's, that's the thing that because I have my triplet brothers, I've never. And again, if I was a solo person, I guarantee you, my answer might be different. You know, I, I find that, but then again, with my family, there are a lot of really great intricacies of my life. I find that my friends become family mm-hmm. and that we don't require the blood, but if I could just have that, even yeah. not just for me, but for my, yeah, you maybe look. I make them do like a blood pact. <laughs> <laughs> Spit on it, shake hands. Do you think I could ask for that for my birthday? <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my brother, my brother, I think it's my turn to ask you. Oh, I yeah, let you answer yeah. first. Um, <clears throat> what were the circumstances surrounding your placement? Um, short answer, uh, after some digging and, and discovering, you know, certain people that had certain information, um, the circumstance that was brought to light, which was kept from us for, you know, 32 years until I searched for information was that our birth parents were married Um, our birth father was a cab driver in Korea, so he could not afford taking care of all three of us. And then I found out we have an older brother who's five years old, who was five years old when we were born. So he couldn't afford four babies on his salary. So from what I was told, and this will be another episode about Korean adoption because it's an animal in and of itself, but they basically came to the adoption agency and asked them to forge a bunch of uh, documents to make us eligible to be put into the adoption system, which is, you know, another story again. Um, But that's really what was, what I was told. Again, whether that's true or not, no idea. Wow. Um, I would just like to do a caveat as well to have an extremely expressive face, as you guys might notice. And Chris and I tried not to find out too much about each other's stories beforehand so that we're reacting. Yeah. Real time. So there'll be a lot of times where you see. Yeah. So it's just, it's us reacting, but that's heavy. That's like. Well, I was always under the impression that our birth mother was like a teenager. So I made, it made sense in my head. And then when I found that out and it was like, oh, we were a happy family, but it was just a financial situation. Then that was a little heartbreaking. But again, that would be, I don't, I don't even know if it's true because again, with based on Korean adoption and the culture there, lots of stories are made up and just to paint a picture um, or to cause adoptees not to go searching. So there are a lot of messed up cultural things in Korea that are uh, atypical, so. I was actually at the grocery store and the cashier who I was, I was just listening to my headphones and she asked, she's like, oh, you're listening to your headphones. And I said, well, I'm listening to podcasts because I'm watching a podcast. And she said, oh, what about? And right now in Canada, everything's locked down. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the grocery store, like that's the first person I had seen in like Uh, a week. So it's very like, hi. Yeah, you Um, want to interact. Exactly. And like they only have a certain amount of people. So she, I was a little bit more open to talking than I normally was. And she told me that she was adopted from a 
religious institution. I'm not going to say anything because I don't. Mm. Yeah. Religious institution adopted her out and she'd been hunting for her birth parents and she'd been hunting. And for, I think four to anywhere between four to seven years, it wasn't clear that they kept telling her they were, they were reaching out to her birth mother, but they weren't because they said she should be grateful. And it wasn't until she hired another outside source Mm -hmm. that she, she found out that this birth mother had never been contacted. Yikes. So people, I feel like people tell me stories more than you. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's because you're so confrontational. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Let's see. Did your birth mother pick uh, your adoptive family? No. Social Uh, services picked my family. Yeah. No. On my end. Um, do you have an open or closed adoption? Um, again, I wasn't even aware of this term until recently, but I believe most adoptions in Korea, especially in the eighties were closed. So mine was also closed. I think open adoption is a fairly new concept. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be probably an entire series on itself. Oh yeah. Um, I have a friend that did an open Yes, I, I've experienced it. So it's got both have pros and cons. Um, for those of you who are watching and aren't adoptees and are kind of new to the subject, a closed adoption refers to, especially in Canada where I'm from, that legally, regardless of if I wanted to find out any information, so put this in perspective, if I wanted to find out any information or my family did, I was not legally allowed to until I was 18. Mm. So another huge issue with being adopted in in Canada, and I, I understand it, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, I get why. But I couldn't know anything, and I didn't have any rights to know anything. Until you were 18. Until you are 18. So my friends were all excited about drinking and smoking, mm-hmm. and I was excited to, to know <laughs> it's like, that I could, I could, like, I didn't want to know, but I was like, yeah, I can do it, right? You wake up on your birthday, and everyone's, like, going to the bar, and you're like, searching on the internet (laughs) i actually searched once and i actually accidentally like i was just searching on those like adoption Mm -hmm. reunion and i literally this is this is how i knew i wasn't ready i remember i was in in my mid-20s and i was having a fight with my boyfriend at the time so like of course i'm doing destructive behavior like googling adoption records near me and i thought i found i thought i found um my i thought i found birthday everything but they were looking for a boy. Oh. I had a panic attack and I was like, no, never going on that website again. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes ignorance is bliss, but at the end of the day, we're human beings and human beings just want to know. We want to know yeah. where we come from. We want to know our origins. We want to know all those things. So, I think it's just hardwired into just being human. Um, I think I asked you. Oh. Uh, what did your birth mother name you? I don't know. However, I accident, I had to get my birth certificate once mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve to fly to foreign country again in my twenties. <laughs> Cause I, I didn't have my birth certificate in Regina oh. when I was home. So I had to get a birth certificate cause I had to get a passport. Mm-hmm. So I went to the birth certificate office and I went, and I researched, grabbed one and they were doing me a favor and they sped up and the girl came with my birth certificate and she's like, wait, what is your name? Cause they have your number on file. Oh, she almost gave me my original birth certificate. Whoa. So I found out I, I do have a name. Um, I do have a, and again, guys, I'm not going to, if you find that I'm not using people's names in my story, 
Um, I have a lot of people in my life who are very supportive of the moves I'm making, but they just don't want to be their stories to be out there. This is my personal choice. Mm -hmm. But so I have a friend who found out her name and it's so funny. I don't know. My name is pretty bad. So you know your name? Oh, yeah. I'm like only going to call you this name now. You're going to laugh. No, like you like literally like. Okay. Um, I better my call. given Korean name. And you have to remember, it's always uh, spoken last name, middle, like surname, middle name, first name. So that's like the order. Bond, James Bond? Yeah. Uh, so my Korean name is Kim Dong-soo. So that means my surname is Kim, middle name is Dong, and my first name is Sue. So I'm A just- A boy named Sue? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's, when I heard that song, I was like, okay, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Johnny Cash wrote about it, sang about it. All good. So yes, Kim Dong Soo. So do you have to fight your birth father like Johnny Cash did? Because mm. he named you Sue. Well, from what I was told, he's dead. So <gasps> yeah, that's sorry. Spoiler. Um, but uh, Jeremy's name was Kim Dong Chul. Jewel. 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 C H U L. Oh, Chul. I thought it, I then, thought you had Jewel and oh, Sue. No. And then Justin's was Kim Dong Myung. Myung, M-E-U-N-G, I think. So, yep. That's my name. Boy named Sue. Okay. Well, too bad that's branded. We can't put that on t-shirts. I know. I know. All right. Um, I think you go now. Okay. Does anyone else in your birth mother's family know about you? Oh, unknown. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, based on what I was told, if... Uh, from the records that I read, our birth mother had like six siblings. Our birth father had like seven. So, or somewhere around, like a large family. So I would think in the 80s in Korea, triplets are not common. So I would think that someone within my extended family at least would at least know, but it's no idea. It's not like you could hide being pregnant with triplets. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing, you know? Like I, I know that, there's some adoption stories where the the birth mother was able actually able to hide it because they weren't showing. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, there's there's again I, everyone tells me stories now. Yeah, <laughs> I am the keeper of records. <laughs> no one's anything. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, that's going to be a fun surprise <laughs> when I I have no idea. Um, how old were your birth parents when you were born? So you kind of answered that. Yeah. So all I know is that our birth mother was 26 and our birth father was 32. It's like kind of my age. Crazy. Um, so from what I gather, I think my, again, this is piecing back information, but I think my birth mother was 19. Okay. So birth father probably within that range. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just always thought, oh, well, she was young. That makes sense. Like, you know, if you're 17, you have three babies. What are you going to do? I mean, especially in a a country in the 80s, Korea was a very, very, you know, third world type of country. So um, next question. Uh, oh, were your birth parents married when you were born? No, I don't think. From my understanding, yes, but again, it could all be lies. They could be alive and who knows. But. See, after talking to you, 
Like I don't, I'm questioning everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, as if, you know, like I didn't think about any information being wrong, but now I question everything. Yeah. If I become more confrontational from this, I'm going to blame you. That's not a bad thing. Okay. Maybe you'll become more Canadian. Maybe. Would we? (laughs) How does that happen? I don't know. What would make me more Canadian? Sorry. Well, you've been watching Letterkenny, so. I'll be more polite. (laughs) Okay. What is your ethnic racial background? From my understanding, I'm 100% Korean. Purebred. Um, I don't know. So fun story. Uh, in Regina, we have this wonderful thing called the mosaic. It's so much fun. It goes on for about a week and it's the big to do, especially when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So there's different pavilions. So there's a German pavilion. Oh, like there, a world. Like yeah. Every, yep, yep. So yep, yep. Regina is really great in being inclusive. We love because we're smaller. That's weird because there's a Korean uh, sponsored trip. For adult adoptees called Mosaic. Oh, that's so cool. So many intricacies. But it, it's like the most fun thing. So when you're a kid, a lot of your friends, like, so if you, so you know how you would normally do like, if there's like Korean dance or mm-hmm. Ukrainian dance or mm-hmm. where do you ever perform? No, no other city really has stuff. Well, here, this would, this was your, like, this yeah. was your Elton John concert. <sighs> like you were on Vegas trip, like you were performing for all week. And like, this was your jam. So you'd go see your friends perform. That's cool. There were crafts and like food. And stuff like that. And so all my friends would be excited. We'd all go to the pavilion. And like, so one of my friends would be like, oh, this we're in the Italian pavilion. She'd be like dancing and doing stuff. One of my really good friends growing up was in the Ukrainian pavilion. So I'd go watch her dance and hang out. That was my favorite one because there's the pierogies. Um, yes. And then so there'd be friends like from like Turks and Caicos and everywhere. That's that cool. was when I felt super adopted. Because mm. I didn't know. So yeah. there's like, a, I'm like, is there like a question mark pavilion? And that's like when I just like didn't know. Another thing that yeah. it became abundantly clear, and this this is actually my one tattoo, the story behind it. Um, I don't think my parents even know this, but I didn't know what my ethnicity was. And I, I asked an older friend mm-hmm. what my ethnicity was. And they said, well, you're a pirate. And so I went and I did a full presentation on pirates. <laughs> And my family tree was like literally like a giant octopus. I remember my dad being so ticked at me because I left it super behind because of ADHD mm. and was like coloring it in. I did an octopus. And like, so I didn't know. So we we're doing ethnicity day. I didn't know what, what it was. So I feel like that's also been a thing too for me that I haven't ever felt any pride mm-hmm. in any. And that's just like, that's one of the things I want to find out. What time, city, and like, what am I? Yeah. I mean, my brothers and I lived overseas most of our life. So you know, being a third culture kid, you you don't really identify with any particular culture. You just kind of assimilate to wherever you're living. Um, so like in Singapore, they actually did that at the school that I went to where they would have like a tour of the world type of thing and cuisines and, you know, different, you know, clothing and, and whatever. But for most of us, we're all expats for the most part. So we all felt, you know, kind of in the same boat. So I, I, again, I, I never really thought about being adopted or, I mean, it was obvious because my parents are white and people would ask or stare or whatever, yeah. but I don't know. I just, I, maybe I just pushed it back in my mind and I just didn't want to face it. Um, that could very well be the situation. I don't well, know. You're a kid, right? Like, yeah. so one of the 
bridging themes throughout this podcast that we're finding is that they, these are huge adult issues mm -hmm. that we are forcing children to face. And then this is the end all be all. So you get told these issues and it's nobody's fault. Nobody. Circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knew. And it's a really great thing. However, one of the difficult sides of this is that as a child, you're given this adult information and it's almost as if this like ask now or forever hold your peace mm -hmm. when you're given that information. After that, you feel weird asking. Yeah. And I think that that's why there is so much trauma because you're not, you're not developed enough to even process it, you know? No. So I, I, I think, again, like Claire said, it's no one's fault. It's just what it is, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, part of this is also trying to talk about that because if we don't talk about the root issue or the root situation, then everything else is just kind of surface. You know, we really need to kind of dig deeper. And a lot of these things, like, I don't even consciously think about. No. And now that I think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a lot of heavy stuff to explain to a little kid. And I didn't even think about how a little kid would even process it. Like, for me. Like, how? Did, how? Like, yeah. I don't even remember. I remember vividly my mom always sitting us down and explaining adoption to us because for us, you know, white parents, Asian babies, it's pretty obvious, but for other people, not so much. So yeah. Yeah. Like, so we've talked about before, one of the major differences between us is that I would sometimes tell people I was adopted and they wouldn't believe me. Mm -hmm. Like this was like this fun, fun thing I was doing. Cause I look, I feel like I look like a, like I look, we all look similar. Like you mm -hmm. never know. So even now, one thing that was mentioned um, in doing this, my parents have been extremely supportive. My mom has been extremely supportive and it's been really great for us in catharsis, like a huge catharsis in our relationship because even the stigma behind adoption towards adoptive mothers in the 80s was, mm. it was aggressive. And I still even remember as a child witnessing some interactions that I felt fiercely protective of my mother. Mm -hmm. And then it became this thing where, you know, like in me telling my story, people were viewing her as either like defective or, you know, and there oh, wasn't support, there wasn't yeah. support for adoptive mothers. Well, the only reason my parents adopted us was because my mom couldn't physically have children. So that's why they, they wanted to adopt. And so I do remember there were moments growing up where my mom's friends would be having babies and my mom was the first to organize a party, like everything like organized for that person. But I do know that Deep down inside, I got a sense that, you know, it, it hurt her, you know, because she, she would love to have a biological child. Like I know that, but unfortunately that's just wasn't in the cards. So I, I think it's so hard. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, and honestly, I don't even give my mom en enough credit because you should call her right now. I know. All right. Um, where are we at? Um, ethnic racial uh, do you have oh, any yeah. biological siblings it's oh yeah so biological siblings as a what i was told we have a an older brother that was five years old when we were born so maybe and i don't know if they know about us so i for sure do i believe at least on one side because it's my understanding that they didn't stay together mm. you know that song by i think Milov, paradise by the dashboard lights I know Meatloaf. I don't know his catalog very well. It might not be actually it. But anyway, I feel like I was a backseat baby. Um, mm. So the likelihood of them, both parents staying unmarried 
and not procreating later is very low. But oh yeah, I've always had this weird. And so one thing we've talked about, we're going to do all the steps that adoptees do. Um, we're actually going to, regardless of what our personal beliefs are on the, on the subject or whatnot, um, I think we're going to go see a, 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 a psychic maybe Yeah, is one thing we've, cause we're trying to go through all the steps that adoptees normally go through mm-hmm. and go through them for you. And I kind of have a resource for it, but I've always had this really strong feeling that I have younger siblings. Mm. I feel like I have at least two. Um, and in my search, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I want to find, that's actually Segway question. Do you want to find your birth oh, family? Oh, 100%. You do? Mm-hmm. Birth parents? Yep. Relatives? Everyone? Uncles, aunts, anyone. Anyone that's blood related to me, I would like to meet. Even like the fun drunk uncle? Especially the fun drunk uncle. <laughs> um, I don't know. I want to find siblings, I think. I'm not, I'm undecided. So that's another area where we differ. Yeah. Oh, and also in the Korean culture, I mean there's a chance that they don't even want to see us. So, because again, culturally giving up children for adoption, you know, people live in shame and, and it's, uh, it's not something they want to revisit. So. I think it's like that as well in, in our like Canadian culture as yeah. well in the eighties. I think there's a, a stigma. Well, well, and I'll, I'll talk about Korean adoption and I think maybe in, in like Canadian adoption, I think it might be actually more of a shock if you go into it and they don't want to see you. Mm. I think that might actually be like versus an expected like, oh, this is a cultural bias that's already present. I, I think that maybe a lot of North American, even in that story that you're that's forced upon you, mm-hmm. you expect to go find your birth family. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, but again, it, doing a birth parent search is one of those things. It's like you're opening Pandora's box. So just you kind of have to be okay with whatever you find because it could be good. It could be bad, you know, but for me, I just went too long thinking, Oh, I'll do a birth parent search one day. And it just got to a point where I was just like, look, you know, if I want to do this and have my brothers included, you know, life is just getting too complicated with us living in different cities and countries and families and, and just life in general. So, uh, yeah, but I would definitely want to seek out or meet anyone that's blood related to me. Um, did you go to a foster home after leaving the hospital? I don't know, but after some discussions, I think probably. Um, yeah, I think so. They the orf- like orphanages weren't really like a thing. Oh, in the eighties in Canada. Oh, they're massive. Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't know. So, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't. From what I know, um, from what I was told, uh, they couldn't find a foster mother that could take care of three babies at once. So they found two foster mothers in the same neighborhood. But then I found, so Jeremy, the youngest out of us three, was with one foster mother. And then Justin and I were together with another. So uh, Jeremy was separated from us. Um, but after speaking to a lot of people about this, they all tell me that it's very abnormal for that to happen. One, why would you separate triplets? Two, foster mothers were taking care of 10 babies at a time. So there are still a lot of things that I'm discovering about our circumstance with how we were adopted and why, um, that, are kind of sketchy um, because again, 
uh, Korea was just a very different place when it came to um, adoption. So, but we shall see. Um, I think I have to ask you next. Yeah, we could. Um, yeah, we can skip that one. I think. Um, are your birth parents still alive? Again, I was told they were both dead. So, who knows? Um, I don't know, but with some certain, some recent house struggles and things I've been through, I could see possibly there being some cancer Mm. in my background. And every year that I wait, so one of the things that you don't think about, you talked about waiting for your birth parent search. Mm -hmm. So we're at the point now where, not to be a downer, but grandparents might not be alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Every, every year that you wait, you run the risk of losing a connection. And I've been told a lot of stories just recently of people who missed out by a month. Yeah. I mean, the email that I got telling me that my birth mother was dead, the guy said she passed away the previous June to the email. So then again, what I took it as fact because I didn't have any reason not to believe him. But the more I talk to other people that are Korean adoptees, um, which we have a very large community, Korean adoptees were called CADs. So I'm part of a CAD group here in Utah and they all say the same thing. They're like, look, you can't, unless you can see a death certificate, like you cannot listen to anything anyone tells you because uh, they might just be discouraging you from searching because your birth parents are too, you know, I guess worried about revisiting that shame of giving babies up. So, you know, they'd rather just tell us that they're dead so we don't come looking. So it's complicated. Um... Here we go. What traits did you inherit from your birth parents? Personality, looks, talents, if you know. I think my artistic, there's got to be someone in my birth family who's artistic. Um, Definitely in terms of physical appearance, I'm extremely athletic. In looking at old footage of my brother and I (laughs) growing up, I thought my calves were from gymnastics, like my muscle memory. But no, I was like a little tank baby. I had like little muscle legs. I have no idea. I would just think that maybe they're artistic. I don't know, because my brothers and I are all artistic. So, but I, this kind of talks about the topic of nature versus nurture, but my mother would push creativity at a very young age. So I don't know if, I personally think that we are artistic because of my mom, but not because of some, um, genetically. Yeah. Genetic thing. So, um, are there any medical concerns that you should know about? Um, what I found out, uh, or we found out that our birth mother had hepatitis B. So because she had it, she transferred to us as carriers. So we just carry the gene, I guess, or carry hep B. So we don't experience any cirrhosis of the liver, but we are at risk to eventually getting that. So that's just keeping our liver enzymes in check and our viral load down. So, um, so yeah, that's the only thing that we know about. Um, I was born with like a slight heart defect and then uh, lung issues, which led to four lung surgeries when I was growing up. So but my brothers don't have any of those issues. So I was just the lucky one. You're special. I'm special. Um, for me, 
No. So this is a huge topic too, as well. Every time I go to the doctor, they'll ask if you have any medical history mm-hmm. and I, and it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I always say I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Yeah. And I used to hate it as a kid, as a kid. And even like up until something happened to me where, so if you don't know any of your records, like, well, full panel, like all the blood that mm-hmm. I've been getting to, mm-hmm. like I have, like you can see, I have like, just like, oh, right there. That's my blood spot. Yeah. That they always oh, yeah, take. Yeah. yeah I, I have too much scarring in these areas. So when I get an IV or no, sorry, it's my hands. So they have to go through my bicep. If I get another IV, so. Yeah, well, and so they'll do chat panel. However, this turned out to be a good thing. I was screened for, and I'll get into my personal story uh, a little bit later, but, but I, because I got that full mm-hmm. gamut of tests that I found all that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I have no idea. Probably some mental health stuff, though. And then final question. How did you find out you were adopted? Um, do you remember, like, the exact moment I found where you were no so my I I really think the way so I always knew and was told however I was bequeathed with this information and of course like you as a child you tell everyone everything and so my mom and I discussed recently that I would just go tell people Mm -hmm. and I'd be like hi I'm Claire I'm adopted my mom would be like (laughs) because you guys have to remember that in the 90s like it wasn't yeah like it was like it was considered almost shameful sometimes and you didn't like people saw saw you immediately and like would know whereas for us people yeah. would be like oh oh and then my poor mom would be standing there like but then again kids say really weird ridiculous stuff but my parents did it in a really great way that there were books that were just like slipped into our um slipped into our reading material is that the so, book you showed me? Yeah. So it's a, Why Were You Adopted is one. And then I have the never and- seen any of those books. The idea of the books makes sense to me, but it'd be weird, I think, for me to read it opposed to, yeah. I guess maybe if your parents sit you down and talk about it, that's fine. And you want to know a little more about it, but yep. oh, you got to back up. It's going to mm-hmm. keep going, keep going, keep mm-hmm. going, keep going. It won't. Yeah. I'll post it in yeah. the episode notes. How did you find out you were adopted? Um... Oh, that wasn't the final question. That's okay. My bad. Um, I just remember my my mom sitting us down and just explaining, all right, you know, y- your mother couldn't take care of you. And that's why we adopted you. And she made it very clear that, you know, had nothing to do with not loving us or wanting us or anything like that. So that was instilled in us at a very young age. So I just never thought anything of it. I didn't view it as anything. I just thought, well, our life is pretty awesome right now. So who cares? Like I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Like we're good. Thanks for letting us know. And obviously it's obvious because people are always asking about it. And, um, back in the eighties, especially it was just a lot of staring. Um, yeah, I do remember with fanny packs and mustaches. Oh yeah. Rat tails. I had rat tail. You had a rat tail. I had a rat tail. I have a rat tail right now. (laughs) And we had a braid. We went to Bali, um, every year. So we, uh, had it braided like Bo Derek, but just one rat tail. It was disgusting. Um, but I do remember, and this is just fast forwarding, my my brothers and I were looking for our first car. And so we went to a used car lot with our dad in high school. We were 16 years old. And I remember the car you dealer. You one car? Yes. It was terrible. Um, so <laughs> our, it was in Texas. It was a small town in Texas. And my dad is English, German, Norwegian, big, you know, he's a white guy. 
And so he says to my dad, he says, oh, you know, I, I, I sure do uh, respect you buying a, a car for these foreign exchange students. And then my dad looks at this man. And he says, no, these are my sons. And he says, oh, shoot, I, I'm so sorry. He says, I could totally see the resemblance. And then my dad says, stop talking. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. Or, or people will see my dad in pictures. They're like, I can totally see it. I'm like, bro. I get, I get that all the time too. People are like, you look just like your mom. Or like, but my like dad this. is a white man. Like there is nothing about my dad that looks Asian and there's nothing about me that looks white. And I just, at oh. first I it would make me really angry. I'm like, come on, dude, like really? And then at the same time, I'm like, look, whatever. Like you, you can see what you want to see. That's fine. All good. But yeah. Well, I think that's. all right how did learning that you were adopted change how you thought about your family race and culture okay so here's a huge heavy thing so i was raised in one of the most phenomenal households in the fact that i've personally never and this was something that um was really great it was always the understanding and they, they use this in such a wonderful way. And I don't even know if they realize that they did this. But throughout my being raised, I was informed that I should never, I, did, I didn't know what race I was. So there, so there was no pri- racial pride, mm-hmm. but that I didn't know what race I was. And so that I didn't know what race I was. And I also didn't know who was my family. Mm. So every person that you met could be your, your family or every, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just this re- really great view, but it also kind of made me sad. Yeah. It made me really sad and like jealous in a way. Because you felt disconnected. I still, I still yeah. feel a disconnect. And it's always really funny. You talk about how people tried to find people, tr- people try to connect the dots in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So people were trying to connect the dots between you and your dad and what's going on. So for me, whenever I tell someone that I don't know, they'll immediately start analyzing my facial features and they'll be like, Oh, your nose is German or oh, you're Scandinavian oh, or yep. you're this. So something that we're going to do throughout this podcast is that we're trying to find, I've been in contact with some forensic artists to try to have them analyze my facial features. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm still with us right now. So it's kind of hard to reverse yep. engineer that. So we're trying to find if anyone has any suggestions on people, we're, we're trying to go from the outside in and peel back every layer before yeah. I do genetic tests. So, cause you can't ret- go backwards yep, yep, yep. and no, but so people will try to claim you or tell me what I am or, you know what I mean? They're like, no. And then they get so like, that's what they tell me I am. And then they're like, great. I solved the mystery. Mm-hmm. I have, like Sherlock Holmes, you, this is what you are. And it would always leave me feel feeling like really uncomfortable. Yeah, that would be weird. I don't know. I mean. I really like pierogies and potatoes though. Like an unhealthy amount of potatoes. So. I have had my fair share of pierogies. But like, I'm obsessed with potatoes. So I do, I, if I'm Irish or Ukrainian, I'll be. I could see that. But again, I mean, that, that would just be weird. Someone telling you or what trying you to tell you. Like yeah. connecting the dots. Yep, 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 yep. Um, for me, I mean, again, being raised by a very large white family, I never viewed myself as Asian. Um, and then the culture was just weird because we were always in a new country every three to four years. So we were just kind of thrust into a new culture, customs, language, all that stuff. So I don't identify with any one culture or race. I mean, I identify being white, to be honest. And I told Claire this earlier. Um, 
Anytime someone is racist to me, I always forget that I'm Korean until someone is racist to me. And then I take a second. I'm like, look at myself and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah. That's like so. crazy to me when I see, I've never really experienced anything like that. So when I see some Ooh. of the stuff, I'm just like, I get, I get racist DMs every day. So, but that's another thing. Um, so, so this is it. This was really interesting. Yeah. I was researching podcast questions. You, one thing that we found out about this is that you've found terms or things that describe me that I had no idea. And I've found terms or things that describe you that you had no idea. And yeah. I didn't know it was like a, a term. Like I didn't know there was a word for it. And so do you think there is such thing as being trans-ethnic? Yeah. So the definition of that is just identifying with another, um, whether it be race or background that might not be what you physically are. Uh, and yes, absolutely. You know, because I, I don't know anything about the Korean culture for the most part. I don't eat a ton of Korean food, even though I've had it a lot. Um, I know more about Italian food than I do Korean food. So for me... Yeah, I just always tell people that I'm I'm the fakest Asian you'll ever meet. So, yeah. What what is it? Uh, you have a German nose. A German nose. <laughs> no, we're where we say we're 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 Twinkies. We're yellow on the outside, white on the inside. So, what about you? Um. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Like uh, I like always joke that there should be like an adoptive pavilion at Mosaic where you just like steal the things that you like from other cultures. And our symbol would be a giant question mark. But then like, if you really thought about it, most cultures are parts of other cultures anyway, if you really traced everything back. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think being an expat is a very different lifestyle um, than most people, because most people might live in the same town for most of their life and then move or maybe stay in the same town for all their life. So for me, I always envied people that never moved. Uh, and again, that was just, Ooh, that was me. Yeah. I was in the same house for like, 19 I thought years. it was the coolest thing because for me, I, I never knew what that was. It was always family meeting. And then it would always be a pamphlet of the school we were going to, uh, brochures of the country. <gasps> like it was always like this thing. And it was, it was a sore spot for my brothers and I, because we had just made friends we had just moved and settled in. And now we're moving to a brand new country. It's not like moving to another town. Like you, we literally moved from Italy, Singapore, London, Norway. So like all those things, it was just so jarring as a kid. Um, but, my dream. but it was, look, it was amazing, uh, in retrospect. And I wish I could go back and smack my old self in the face because there were so many times where I would just get so upset overseeing things that my parents wanted us to see. I remember seeing Stonehenge for the first time and I was so pissed off. The I just told, time? yeah. And I just told my mom, this is a bunch of stupid rocks in the middle of nowhere. Why are we here? This is stupid. And I'm just like, man, like. You're kind of a little. Yeah. B, B yeah. word. Like we were spoiled. Isn't that great <laughs> yeah. um, So I grew up actually in the same home my whole life. And I was like, I was a weird kid. <laughs> I was heavily heavily bullied and like looking back like I get it now but here's the kicker I was the people people from my play school class got married to each other so if you picture oh. in like Regina back in the day the people I went to play school with I went to high school with and had I stayed I would have gone to university with so like they these, all just kind of go on the same track same thing so yeah. you you like literally go you had your class mm -hmm. and you'd be with them for like the rest of your life yeah that <sighs> And so you, as I got older, that stuff, I'm, I'm like, I don't envy, 
Well, know? like literally I made my first impression in kindergarten. Yeah. And like yeah. that stuck with me for, and I was. Well, I've kept in touch with anyone I've gone to school with ever um, for the most part. And most people are like, why are you talking to someone you went to kindergarten with? I'm like, well, it's a little different situation. You know, I mean, as a third culture kid and just an expat, you're kind of, you, you form fast friendships quickly because you're amongst other kids that are in the same boat as you, which is uncomfortable. Um, again, you don't know the language. You can't really get around by yourself. So you yeah. kind of just cling on to each other a little tighter than normal. So do you ever think, so I have that actual reaction as well as an adoptee, my friends, and it, it gets, it's very difficult to get deep within my in my group, but we used to joke because I always get the, whenever I do a spirit animal test or anything, I always get wolf, mm. just wolf all the time, wolf. And so Wait, whenever a spirit animal test. Yeah, you should do it. I really hope you're something like a firefly or something like that. I could see you being an owl. You, well, you'll go take it immediately after this. Okay. Um, but I always get wolf, sometimes bear, but wolf or bear. That's all I get. And so I find that the people who are, I form family level friendships. So it's almost mm. like they're siblings because yep. blood is a misnomer for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's blood, like blood, blood doesn't, is yeah, it doesn't. That's another thing I think is a common thing amongst adoptees that are, again, these are, we're, we're just speaking from two adoptees that have amazing families, which we're very lucky and fortunate. Yeah. Um, where blood, yeah, it, it, it's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't really mean anything because for us, it's, it's more than that. So I also think this brings a great point that it is our responsibility to make sure if you guys feel that we are not capturing a sector of the adoptee community or things that you want us to review or you want to share your story on our podcast, mm -hmm. we, no, do, absolutely. Yeah, we do have a very different background as well, but we recognize that our experience is perhaps not your experience. Yeah. And we're only two people. So the thing is adoption covers so many things. So we yeah. want to talk about foster care. We want to talk about things that might, we might not know anything about, but our efforts are to try to bring everyone under the umbrella together. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, that was awesome. We did All it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned because we have a lot more to talk about. If you'd like to connect with us on Instagram or TikTok, you can find us at Origins Unknown Podcast. You can follow my co-host at Beyond the Tats. You can find me at Sea Bear Huntington. We're also on Twitter. Follow us at O Unknown Podcast. If you'd like to visit our website, it's OriginsUnknownPodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to send us questions, uh, share your story, or even just Say hi. You can send us an email at hello at originsunknownpodcast.com. Special thanks to Pace Randolph for writing, performing, and producing the audio for our podcast. Follow him on Spotify for more wonderful music. I think I walked the long way home. Now fall just pick me up and hold me close when things get rough.